0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, who comforts us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Old Testament lesson for today says, Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn her seven pillars, she has slaughtered her beast, she has mixed her wine, and she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And here we have this glorious image of wisdom personified, building a house and then calling people to dwell in that house with a wonderful feast. Dwelling in wisdom's house, there the simple are fed so that they are made wise. As they dwell in wisdom, they are fed by wisdom, they then walk in wisdom. This is the true calling that God sends out into the world, to receive wisdom. The Holy Spirit comes and calls people to faith in Jesus through the preaching of God's holy word. And then he builds up the household of God by making sinful people into children of God by faith in the gospel. And then he feeds them. He feeds them faithfully with the word so that they grow. They grow in wisdom by growing in faith. And in this way, they are sanctified in their understanding of God and of themselves and also in how they live. This is how we're to understand the church. It is the household of God where we are fed by the Spirit of God with the preaching of God's holy word. We've been called into this place to receive the benefits and the blessings as sons of God. The Lord delivers both his eternal and perfect law and his precious and saving gospel, so that we might be blessed by him. God blesses us with the proclamation of his perfect will through the preaching of the law, and this is good. God is regarding us as his children. He is teaching us to distinguish between good and evil. He tells us what he desires for us to do and not to do, and this is wonderful. And as this is wonderful, it also accuses us. It shows us our sins. It teaches us how we've trespassed against God, and so the Lord also ensures that his gospel is proclaimed. As our sins are revealed, we also have our Savior revealed. As the gospel is proclaimed to us poor sinners, God tells us how he sent Jesus, how his Son was made flesh to bear the sins of the world, and in his death we have forgiveness. See, our place in the household of God, our place in wisdom's house, is secured so that we might dwell before him in righteousness and purity forever. And this is what wisdom calls us to. So many people, when they consider the meaning of this word wisdom, think of trivial things. They think of human reason or scientific Capacity. They think of literary and philosophical understanding. They think of smart people doing smart things. Or they think of the most wicked things that you can imagine, and then they label them good and wise. Not because there's anything particularly wise about evil acts, but because calling it wise is convenient. And so they make their convoluted and emotional arguments because they want to herald their depravity as wise and good. That's not wisdom. Wisdom isn't how much stuff you know. Wisdom isn't how much you can label the things you want to be good. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says this. He says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, the wisdom of God is the word of the cross of Jesus Christ. It is nothing other than the forgiveness of sins that Christ has won for us by preaching to our fallen condition. It is saving faith in Jesus being offered to poor sinners who are alarmed by their sins and desire reconciliation with God. It is God's perfect deliverance from sin, death, and hell. When we consider all things in this life, there is nothing more precious than this gift of wisdom. There's nothing more wonderful nor more urgently needed than the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to sinners. It is something we need every day. And why? Well, because we're sinners. We fail. We forget what matters. And that's why wisdom builds her house, so that we can come and receive what wisdom has to give. Wisdom builds her house so that we know where to go to be fed with wisdom. The house that Christ has built is his church. We come to church to hear God's word, to receive absolution, to hear sermons preaching the gospel of Christ, to pray in the name of Jesus, to sing hymns that proclaim Christ. To rejoice in our baptism to eat the lord's supper because these things are the wisdom of god we are fools who lack wisdom and that's why we come home to eat every day at my house i sit in my office i work over here and every day at eleven thirty, 30 i receive a text message from my wife and you know what it says come home it's time to eat Most of the time, when she sends this message, I don't even realize it's lunchtime yet. I don't even realize that I'm hungry. But it's time to eat. The food is prepared, and so I better get going. And why? I need it. I need that brief respite in my day to sit down with my family and eat. I need to be fed. And the same goes for church every Sunday at 10:30, what do we do we gather here in this place to be fed the wisdom of God we may not feel like we need it every Sunday morning we may think that there are other things that we can do with that time yet nothing will serve you as well as what God has laid out for you here in this place nothing that you do during this time will feed you the wisdom of God and this is what Jesus is talking about in his parable this morning. He gives the great parable of the uh, uh, great banquet. See, Jesus had been invited to eat to at a Sabbath meal in the home of a prominent Pharisee. And Jesus had been teaching about humility in the kingdom of God. He'd been talking to the people about how the last shall be first, the first shall be last, how... They should never take the prominent seat of honor, but always seat in the lowest place so that he can be lifted up. And, And one of the people hears this, he's impressed by Jesus, and he cries out, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus responds with a parable that teaches what it means to eat bread in the kingdom of God. See, the bread of the kingdom is Christ. And he wants everyone in that room to know what really feeds them. So Jesus says in John 6, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give you, uh, I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. See, Jesus wants everyone at that table to know and truly receive him. He wants the life-giving bread from heaven to be received with joy so that sinners are saved. And so he tells the parable about the great banquet. Really, it's the parable of the great invitations. As the master prepares a great banquet, he sends out his invitations to all of his friends. Then he prepares the feast, and then he calls them saying, It's time. Everything's prepared. Come. Yet they all, with one accord, reject the invitation. They make excuses for not participating in the feast. The, The funniest thing about the excuses is really how lame they are. One says, hey, I've bought a field and I need to go look at it. Another says, I have bought a pair of oxen and I need to go and examine them. What, what, what kind of foolish and ridiculous excuses are these? Here we have the great banquet where they are to be honored guests, where they to eat rich food, where they to receive an undeserved love and affection from a man much greater than they are. And what do they have to say? No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I've, I've got to go check on some oxen. I have to go look at my field. This is like not showing up to your own wedding reception because well, you have to be at work. Their business was more important than their place at the feast, and this just showed how little love they had for the master of the feast, and then the last excuse, it's also pretty surprising, the man says, I've married a wife and I cannot come. Because everyone knows that new wives hate being taken out to eat fancy meals in nice places, right? What better than to bring your wife with you to a glorious banquet? Yet, what does this man do? He declines to come. And the reason is that his present happiness with his wife cannot be interrupted for something as silly as a feast. It was more important for him to be free and do what he pleased with his wife than to share in the blessing of the banquet with his wife, because if they were going to go to the banquet, their happiness would not be on their own terms. This is sadly something we see pretty regularly in the kingdom of God. People use a spouse as an excuse to absent themselves from the things of God. Christians often will marry unbelievers, and the unbelieving spouse begins to take priority over the household of God, the gifts of God, the things God feeds you. And this is why it's so important for young people to find a spouse who shares in their faith. And parents, you need to be involved. Grandparents, be involved in this process. Talk to your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, every kid you have in your life. Talk to them about what makes a good Christian spouse, and start that conversation early. I mean, like, two Talk about what makes a good, faithful spouse. Because Jesus looks at these situations and he says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus also says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you see, the sad reality about those who are invited, they really believed they had better, more faithful, more fulfilling things to do. They were not hungry for what the master was offering. They were hungry for their business. They were hungry for their pleasures. They were hungry for their freedom and they didn't desire what the master had to offer because they had no love for the man who was feeding them. Their hearts had grown cold to what he had to give them. And it was better in their eyes to absent themselves from his generosity because it meant very little to them. Well, and they had their reward. They had their oxen, their fields, they had their wives, but they'll never taste of the feast. And in that way, they are truly missing out. And so it was with every excuse that we make when it comes to absenting ourselves from the feast of God's word, whatever excuse we make, we will reap its reward. Be it fun or rest or pleasure or work or money, it doesn't matter. We will gain what we set our hearts to receive. We will reap what we sow our lives and our time into. And so if we love that extra couple hours of sleep on Sunday morning, well, you will get that sleep. If we love seeing our kids play sports on Sunday morning, then we'll reap the fun of seeing them play sports. If we love making money, then we can spend that time earning money. No one's denying this. But what is missing is what matters. If the love of God and his gospel is lacking, that is what you miss out on. And yet, the feast must be filled. The master is not going to let his gracious gifts go to waste. And so he invites others. He first sends his servants out into the city to invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The ones who would have been overlooked, the unimportant ones. Those who would have been considered burdens in the banquet. They are also the ones who would rejoice at the blessings of the banquet. They know their need. And they know their lack. And they came running to the master's table. They came to receive what the pastor or what the master had to give because they saw the value in it. They saw the generosity of it. They found comfort and joy in it. And yet the feast still needed more. There was still more room. And this is when the master does a couple of drastic things. First, he sends his servants out into the highways and the hedges to compel people to come. And you really think about who, who's sitting out on the highways and the hedges, sitting in the fields. It would have been the, the, the vagabonds, the homeless, the gleaners, the poorest of the poor, the people who are maybe up to no good. And they must be compelled to come. Because this sort of invitation would have been so foreign to them that they must be convinced to come to the feast. They have to be convinced to come into the doors because they just cannot comprehend the generosity of someone welcoming them into their home to feed them. But that's what the master wants. He wants his house to be filled. And it will not be, he will not be satisfied until that work is done. And so the banquet is filled with those who see their need. The banquet is filled with those who do not deserve the master's love, care, or generosity. It is filled with the hungry and the lonely and the sick and the poor who fill the master's house. And why? Because they are hungry for what the master has to give them. And this is certainly the same for the church. It is not the righteous or the wise or the perfect who need the feast of the gospel that is laid out for us every Sunday. It is the poor, it is the wretched, it is the fool. Those are the ones who need to hear the words of Christ. The banquet is reserved for sinners who desire mercy from Jesus. Do you want to know the difference between those who accepted the invitation and those who rejected the invitation just by nature, looking at their lives and their inward being? There is none. Those who rejected the invitation, they were sinners who needed the feast. Those who accepted the invitation, guess what? They were sinners who needed the feast. The ones who came were the ones who knew that they needed it. They saw the need in their life, and the same goes for us. When Sunday morning comes, we all gather here burdened and laden by our sins. Ultimately, that's why we're here. We come to church because we're sinners in need of Christ and His righteousness. And that is what we are fed as we gather in this place. We come as people who lack what is most needful. As wisdom calls out to the fools, to the simple. If you are already wise, you don't heed wisdom's call. Jesus puts it in another way. He says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick have not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. You see, we're sinners. And we need the gospel of christ to be preached to us we need wisdom's instruction and there's not a living person on this planet that is immune to sin and all of its destruction in this life and that is why we need church we need to hear god's word that reveals sin and comforts sinners with the death and resurrection of jesus we need the forgiveness of sins to be applied to us individually and that's why we come it's not because we're better than everyone else who's not here today, but it's because we know that our need is just as great because our sins are great. You know, we live in a very sinful world, and it can be wearisome in this life facing all the evil, the wickedness, the world around us. And we see the antics of the devil mocking God and his people. You know, we, we read the news this week that the L.A. Dodgers had their, their, their whole kind of spectacle of drag queen nuns for Pride Month, and all the major real ta- re- retailers are embracing these particular sins. Even Thrivent, formerly uh, Aid Association for Lutherans, has given in and joined in and all the, the Pride Month things. This world is sick, and that sickness is seen most clearly in the decline of the church. Because Christianity by and large is facing rejection and decline in the society that we live in. And with sin sickness comes suffering of every kind. And as we live in this world, it can be awful it can be awfully difficult to face everything that we see in the world, and then to face all the obstacles that we have in this life, as there's illness and there's pain, as there's sorrow, as there's death, as there's mourning. But maybe the hardest thing is seeing the younger generation going their own way and rejecting the faith. It's heartbreaking. And then we have to look ourselves in the mirror. And we see our own weakness, our own pride, our own fallen nature. We see how we have failed to love our neighbor. We see how we have failed to attend to the Word of God. And the remedy for all of it is the same. Because wisdom's call has not been silenced. The invitation is still open. The church is still here. The divine service is still being held. The gospel is still being preached. If you are concerned about the sickness of the world, then come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your sins are weighing heavenly upon you, come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are concerned that your children are straying from what is good and true, come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are sick and tired and overwhelmed and weary of this world, come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are mourning and your heart is broken over sin and all that it deals with, come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ if you've grown numb to all of it so that nothing affects you anymore, come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you do not know what's important, if you're blind to what is valuable, if you can't figure anything out, well, come hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of it's been made ready. The banquet is prepared. And God provides every bit of it. And it is exactly what you need. Wisdom calls. There are many things that happen in our lives. There are many things that we need. We need to work. We need to live in our vocations. We need to do our duties. But above all, we need to be served by God. We need to be cared for by God. We need wisdom. We need the gospel more than any other thing. God ensures that that gospel is provided for his church in abundance. Sunday in and Sunday out, each and every week, and just about every day in between. So come to the feast. Hear about the forgiveness of your sins and the light and wisdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you feed us with the perfect gift of your gospel. Cause us to cherish in our hearts all that you offer for us. And cause us never to neglect the gathering of your church to receive your gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Help us to delight in dwelling in wisdom's house. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith to life everlasting.